Welcome. You have joined the IT Business Podcast, streamed live for you Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast the show where we try to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. We provide product stories and tips, all in an effort to do that. We also share some news. We do interviews. We do lots of things. But tonight, it's just me. It was designed that way because earlier today, I was going to be doing an audio interview with a guest who actually ended up with a medical problem and had to cancel. So, Our prayers and wishes are out to them. Please join me in hoping that they are better so that uh, in the coming weeks they'll be able to come back on the show. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I want you to be surprised. But we were going to do an impromptu show anyway tonight. I do have a couple of stories and updates, and we will do those. And I'll entertain any questions or comments that if you are joining us live, you can Throw in the chat there, and I will try to answer or comment on. But uh, to start off the show, I do want to say that this show is presented by NetAlly, your number one ally for network diagnostic tools for more than 20 years, home of the Link Sprinter, the Link Runner, the Etherscope, and many more tools all to help you diagnose, troubleshoot, and design networks faster and better. Head over to netally.com and learn more. The live show is streamed on behalf of Computers Done Right, a managed service provider in Southwest Florida that does not only computer repair, but they do website design and social media marketing. John over there is a great person to do business with and has been a loyal listener as well, partner to the show. Thank you very much. So for any of your computer needs, head over to computersdoneright.com. And I should say that coming up later this fall, TechCon Unplugged in Chicago, September 16th through the 18th, probably the one event where you will be up close and personal with vendors and other business owners, and basically help make tech great, get some great ideas, and some great conversations, not just in the hallways, but in the sessions themselves. This is an interactive conference, probably the most interactive that you've been in in a while. So if you have not gotten your ticket yet, head over to techconunplugged.com and do so. You can actually still get uh, $75 off If you put in the discount code ITBP75OFF, and uh, that would just let them know that I over here at the IT Business Podcast referred you over, and thank you to John and Rick over at MSP Unplugged for putting on this great conference. Once again, techconunplugged.com. All right. So let me start with an update. I know for the last two weeks, I had brought up this situation with a client that 
wanted to do some computer upgrades, but wanted to use their existing software. And I kept telling them no, because I knew that their existing software was, for lack of a better phrase, illegally obtained by a previous tech who, I don't know if he worked for a company where he had some volume licenses, but the Microsoft Office 2016 licenses that they were using were not theirs. They were registered to another company. That is a no-no. They also had software from Adobe and some others where I had found a file that had showed all of the key-generated codes and even in some places where the software was licensed to a completely different company, not even to not even the text company, just another random company. So this technician was giving us a bad name by going out and getting software for one client but using it for others. That is a no-no according to the Business Software Alliance. So I told this customer that, Before I would show up and even touch their new computers, they had to get properly licensed software. I was willing to sell it to them, but they actually were hosting their mail through AppRiver, so they ended up going to AppRiver and getting the proper licenses. So one thing I can say, folks, is stand your ground. As I told them, I was not going to even begin to install the new computers without the proper licensing. That was listed in my statement of work that I sent over to them ahead of time. That document had to be signed before I even showed up. They had to agree that the software was going to be legit before I showed up. So Monday morning, I called them and he said, yep, we are going to be good. I apologize. And of course, we had all these other conversations. But apparently they had, they knew that the software was illegal. They knew that they were getting over and trying to run one by me. And I said, no, not going to happen. I am not going to risk my business, especially being a Microsoft partner, an HP partner, an Adobe partner. I I purchase software from those uh, companies for clients. I'm a reseller. Um, and now even with the new NCE agreement, uh, it is actually harder than ever to maintain our partnerships. We've got to do so. And one of the things that I put in that statement of work, and I did not run this by my attorney, so don't do this and say Uncle Marv said do it because I don't know if it's the right way to do it, but I will have a conversation with my attorney at some point. We're due for a checkup on all my agreements. But one thing I put in there is that even after I did this installation, If at any time I saw illegal software on the computers, we're done. I am not playing when it comes to that. So not only was I not going to be the one and install it, but if they want me to maintain their stuff, they cannot be installing their own stuff. Now you may say, well, don't let them be admins. They won't be able to install it. Well, That is not necessarily my call. The owner of the business is an admin. That was one of the things that, uh, you know, I agreed. It's their company, their stuff. And if he wants to be an administrator and do stuff, that's fine. As long as as it is on the up and up. As long as he is getting his equipment and software and everything from a legitimate place, that's not going to affect me. 
in my business, that's fine. And if they happen to install stuff and get malware or need stuff cleaned up, well, that's a billable charge because I bill for any work that I have to clean up that is not done by me or one of my technicians. And actually, that's going to happen tomorrow with another client who called me and asked me to send a tech out to a remote office in in Tampa, Florida. That's on the other side of the state. For those that do not know, uh, they have a junior, uh, as I affectionately call them. But the bottom line is they are an in-house technician. We co-manage with this customer. It is a very nice agreement from our perspective, but they have this junior who was trying to set up a new user on a computer in the remote office with a new phone. And this is a, this is a technician who I don't know exactly how well of a tech he is. I know that uh, this is the person that sent an email about two weeks after he started saying my active directory is gone, but I have seen him do some stuff without my help. He's, you know, called a couple of times when he needed help. And then there's times where he hasn't called and I get an alert and I have to call him and say, uh, what you doing? So he's been there a while and he was trying to get this set up and they were having an issue where the phone was not coming up. Therefore the computer was not coming up, which should not be the case. This is a location that has two jacks at every computer spot, cubicles and office. One jack is for the phone system, which we do not manage. That is managed by Windstream, the internet service provider, but we manage everything else. And so one jack is for the phone. The other jack is from the computer. And yes, there are situations where we will piggyback a phone onto a computer, uh, but that's a very rare case. And in this, in this office, I know that's not the case. This office is less than two years old. So all of the cables were brand new. They're good. But for some reason, they said that one of the cables is not working. And he spent probably three hours today on the phone with a new user and two other staff swapping phones and swapping cables, trying to get stuff to work. And then around four o'clock decided to send me an email. Hey, can you please send a tech? Well, that's going to be a billable call because... One, I know all of those jacks were working, and these are all, you know, uh, desk locations and cubicles where people have been there. Phones have been working. Computers have been working. Even with COVID, uh, stuff wasn't moved around that much. In fact, this was a location that I was just at this past weekend. Now, I didn't go around and test every station, but I, I did install a server. Then I did go around and make sure that all of the computers that had been off for a few months that I could not either turn on with Wake on LAN, which I configure for all my desktops, so that if a station is off and I need to do stuff, I can just you know, send a command and the computer wakes up. Well, I had probably seven or so computers that did not wake up. So while I was there, I decided to walk around and check, and most of them were not able to use Wake on LAN because they weren't plugged in. Some of them had battery backups that had failed and batteries weren't changed. Others had the battery backups completely removed, so cables were just strung on the floor and just left. Probably because those users weren't coming in and working remotely off of the terminal server. So I went around and 
grabbed all the spare battery backups, which they had six of, and I used all six, hooked them up, turned the computers on, made sure they connected, and we were good. I did not check phones. So if I had known that they were going to have a new user and I had known which computer they were going to be on, I probably could have checked that this weekend. But needless to say, they didn't let me know, which they rarely let me know. So tomorrow I'll be sending a technician out and we'll try to figure out. I think that they just kind of swapped some cables around and plugged into the Ron Jacks because um, they tried to swap out some other phones and those phones would power up, but then the computer, because they daisy-chained it, the computer would not get an IP in on, uh, on the network. So I think that they did something wrong. The phones... Uh, I did not see them come up on my local network because I've got a Domotes box there. So, of course, if any device pops up for the very first time, I'll know about it. And all of their phones are not listed in the Domotes now. So it's probably probably been two to three years since that's happened. So no you know, Polycom devices popped up to alert me that something was on the network. Uh, so I think what probably happened is even though the phones were up, they were on the wrong network, which means the computers did not get an IP address for our network and therefore did not get connected. So that's where we are. So going back to the previous client where we talked about with the software, like I said, stand your ground. Make sure you have stuff in writing because I think that's probably the thing that, I don't want to say it scared my client, but it certainly made it, to where they didn't want to abandon me and try to find somebody else because they were waiting on these computers for a while. It took them a week to get shipped in order because I don't know where they got them from, Tiger Direct or something. And it was two weeks before that that they realized they had to get new computers because they were trying to do an upgrade to QuickBooks from a Windows 8.1 station and the new QuickBooks won't work on 8.1. And then they asked me to do an upgrade to Windows 10 from the existing computers. The computers were seven, eight years old. I don't know. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. It's going to cost you way much, way more money to do that than to get new systems. I'll sell you new systems. And they're like, oh, that's too much. So that's how they went and got their own systems. And they're not a fully managed client. So at this point, I don't care. They're paying my full rate for me to go out and do stuff. So I'll install the computers. I installed two already, and I have eight more to go. So that is that. Next story, let's see. Nobody has a comment or question in the chat? We'll keep on moving. What is in your go bag? So I have a list of topics that I would like to discuss at some point in the future. And one of them is what's in your go bag. And I'm not sure how I'm going to do that yet. I want to do something where people can send in lists and stuff like that. But one of the things that I do get asked questions about a lot, in fact, I got asked earlier today before I even went to this client this afternoon, is do you ever let the NetAlly devices out of your site? And the answer, of course, is, well, I have to sometimes. But those things go with me on virtually every client visit that I do. And in this particular case, I... In my NetAlly go bag, I have the Etherscope, I have the Network Test Accessory, I have the Link Runner G2, and I have the Etherscope. 
And with that, I also have all of the ID dongles that if you, you know, if you have to go test cables and you can stick the identifier in a jack or in a patch panel, I have those to where I can test cables if I need to. I also have, um, I have the Wi-Fi extended wand that I need to get a better range. I also, and I'm going to say this as a reminder that if you get the Link Runner G2 or an Etherscope or even one of the other one-touch devices, they have a fiber module where you can add that. NetAlly doesn't sell these to you, so you have to get them separate. But I carry, I actually carry four of the fiber modules that if I need to test a fiber connection, I can do that. So that's in my go bag. So today, as I was driving down to my client in Miami, I got an email from the company that I subcontract for. This is not technically my client. This is somebody else's client. And they said, by the way, we had a power outage yesterday and the phones did not come back up on the fifth floor. Can you check that switch for us? We think the switch is bad. So I get there and I pull out my devices. I plug in. The switch looks fine. All the lights are on. And I can get a connection to the switch, but I can't get an IP address. But I can see other devices, in this case phones, that have kept their IP address either when they came back up or, or whatever. So I know that connectivity-wise, the switch is working. And I'm on the phone with them, and we're looking at stuff. We do the power cycle, and they're asking me if I know anything about Ubiquiti switches. And I say, yeah, I, I know of them. I just don't use them, so I don't know anything on the inside. And then I notice that this customer has fiber connectors that is connecting these switches from the other floor. So the other floor is feeding these fiber lines up to a switch. They have a data switch and they have a phone switch. So they've got the fiber connectors going to each switch. And I said, well, what about these? And they're like, well, we don't know what you can do with those. And I said, well, I can pull them out and I can test them. So I get my fiber modules out. I put them into my fluke. I'm sorry, my etherscope. And I test nothing, no connection nothing. So I tell them that and they're like, wow, you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So it turns out whatever happened, they're going to have to have a cable company come out and and test because I can't do more than that. But they didn't believe me. And I said, well, let's just put in a patch cable because they did, they were smart. They actually put in six jacks as failover One was going to a camera system. One was going to an alarm. There was a bunch of other stuff. And then it had, I think, four that were not being used. So I said, let's just use one of those patch cables and connect that to the fourth floor and see if it works. Sure enough, it did. So they were like, wow, we would have never thought of that. And I said, well, I did. Not that that makes me great, but it was just something where if I did not have those fiber modules, I probably would have done the same thing, you know, said, I don't know, and told them to replace the switch. But we don't know necessarily if those ports in the switch are bad or if the cable's bad or who knows. But I was able to get them up and running. 
and mainly it was because I was able to test the fiber lines going to the other floor. And that's, uh, that's one reason I keep everything in my NetAlly go bag. So at some point, I want to go through uh, the list of everything that we have. That's just my NetAlly go bag, and then I have another go bag with some other stuff. So it's good. Let's see, what else has happened today? So today has been a very eventful day. I had, oh, I had a QuickBooks story. I saw on one of the Facebook groups, somebody was complaining because apparently Intuit is raising the price of QuickBooks online. And that's, I don't know why they're doing that. It just seems kind of ridiculous because they just started doing annual subscriptions for all of the QuickBooks products, including the desktop. So they're now getting $3.99 a year for every QuickBooks subscription where they weren't getting that before. So there's really no need, in my opinion, for them to raise the online prices. It, uh, It doesn't make sense, especially, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I hear... QuickBooks Online does not have all of the features as QuickBooks Desktop, which is why a lot of people won't switch. That's why I didn't switch. When QuickBooks Online first came out, and I know it can do it now, but they couldn't do, I couldn't keep my merchant company and do online payments the same way. Now, this is, again, this is going back a few years. I'm sure they can do all of that now, and I probably could switch, but they couldn't do that. The inventory system inside of QuickBooks was lacking. I would lose. uh, I have the QuickBooks Premier uh, Services module, and that module has some very specific reporting tools. It has the estimating module, and there's uh, certain things that I can do as a consultant and services provider that you can't do with just regular QuickBooks Pro. So I do pay a little extra for the Premier, but I know that going to QuickBooks Online, I lose a lot of that, and that's just not acceptable. So I saw the price go up, and I probably at some point in the next year or so will have to do my research and ask everybody, hey, if you had to replace QuickBooks, what would it be? And I know that people have thrown out zero uh, fresh books. I have not looked at them, so I don't know if they do all the same things as QuickBooks. If, and if you are listening and want to just shoot me a quick message or email and say, hey, yep, we use this and this is fantastic. I know that some of you that are doing some of the other RMM and PSA tools like Synchro and ConnectWise, they have a lot of the billing built into those. I am still on Enable, which was SolarWinds, which was HoundDog, which was GFI, you know, whatever. Um, I'm still not yet ready to look at switching, although the time is probably drawing near on that as well. If you are a vendor listening to this podcast, do not contact me until November. I do not make changes to my stack in the middle of the year. So November is the time that you can start contacting me about evaluating your product. So QuickBooks. The reason I got onto that was I got an email. It started yesterday from a 
not-for-profit client who they use QuickBooks Online. They are on Premier Plus Nonprofit 2021. So they're not that far behind, but they have an accountant that every so often they send their company file to. The accountant makes a bunch of changes for them, and I don't know what changes those are. I just know that if you're using an accountant to do a lot of your stuff, uh, in our case, we don't do anything until the end of the year. We send him our file. He tells us how much money we're going to get back and what changes that I need to put in all of my registers and accounts. But in this case, this is probably the better way to do it, where my client sends their QuickBook files to their accountant. It looks like they do it every quarter, and then their accountant does all their changes and sends the file back, and then they import the accountant changes. Well, apparently this time it did not work. And when they contacted me to ask if I could help, I said, I would prefer not to because I have no idea what damage I could do to that file because, of course, the things to try would be, you know, check the data integrity of QuickBooks, do a a verification, all of that stuff. But that's something that I would not recommend doing when you're in the middle of making those types of changes. Maybe if they had done it before they sent the file to the accountant, you should probably do a verification and an integrity check. But I recommended that they contact Intuit. So my client contacted them and basically Raphael is the name of the tech. And she said that knowing that this is somebody who has an accent that would not be a Raphael. But the bottom line is all they did was say, well, we're going to have to escalate that. They didn't even try to do anything except ask her what QuickBooks desktop version she was using, what operating system they were using, and then what QuickBooks desktop version you were using before upgrading to QuickBooks 2022. And she had to keep reminding them, we have not upgraded. So I don't know why Raphael was so confused, but eventually after two days, they said, we need to get Marvin back involved. And then I basically said, look, get me on the phone when you have support on. Um, So here's where we're at. If you remember about a month ago, maybe two months ago, I had an issue where we couldn't download our online payments and QuickBooks support said that at first it was because my annual subscription had not been renewed which I renewed and then it still didn't work and it turned out to be a known issue that they didn't know what it was and we found out a month later it was because they were still using Internet Explorer as their default browser inside of QuickBooks and they didn't know how to switch it. Well, turns out that Intuit again has no idea why that they would have this issue with importing the accountant changes, but they, uh, what did they say? They said that they need to upgrade and that this is a known issue in QuickBooks 2022 and we're working on it. So not only did they say that they couldn't resolve it, but they didn't even acknowledge that the version that the customer is using is not the version that they're claiming to have the issue with. 
So once again, Intuit is just losing their collective mind. And this, this is a sign to me that they've had so many issues in the last few months and they've had other issues that I've not even discussed because they didn't affect me or they don't affect us as IT professionals. But in running your business, if you can't do stuff in your accounting software, uh, that's a problem. And on top of that, you're going to raise prices and you're going to decrease the level of support that you can get. There is no way that companies like ours could do that. We could not keep raising our rates and giving less service and saying, sorry, I can't help you. You know, customers fire us for stuff like that. And it looks like we're going to be firing into it here pretty soon. So that's my Intuit update. We'll probably have more of those coming up. So, all right, let's uh, keep on moving. Did you see the news today? Yep, that's right. I put a thing on the Facebook earlier. A company called Meta is suing Meta for naming itself Meta. When Facebook changed its name to Meta in October, there were a few concerns that the company was planning to dominate the metaverse. But there's one aggrieved party that's only now going public. So apparently, there was already a company named Meta. And let's see, Meta.is is a small company which claims to have been operating in the immersive and experiential technology space since 2010. And they sued Facebook yesterday in New York federal court for allegedly violating the smaller business's trademark rights to the meta name. So to avoid confusion, there's little meta and big meta. So little meta, little meta is meta is and the big meta is Facebook. So Little Meta is seeking a permanent injunction preventing Facebook from using the meta name and an undisclosed amount in damages. It argues that Facebook knowingly ripped off its entire business and lied about doing so to its face. Furthermore, it is now impossible to do business using the name Meta because customers believe that its goods and services come from toxic Facebook. Little Meta claims that Facebook ignored its federally registered trademarks, one of which it applied for in January of 2016 and was granted in May 2020, while the other it applied for in January 2016 was granted in May 2017. So, there is a big, huge article that I will link to that uh, this is going to be an interesting little deal. So, Little Meta suing Big Meta, Big Meta for naming itself Meta. And in Florida Man News, Michael Smith, who, oh, I'm sorry, Mike is no longer in Clearwater. He is back up in his home state of Pennsylvania, but... This little gem is at a beach that I know that Mike is near. So Bel Air Shore, Florida, where there are no umbrellas, 
tents, or canopies allowed at the beach. This is a beach that is south of Clearwater Beach and north of Indian Rocks. And if you go back and check Mike's Facebook history, you know that he's been there. So there is an actual rule for Florida's Belle Isle Shore that states that they are not allowed to use umbrellas on the beach. And there is a sign that has a whole bunch of stuff that says prohibited, beginning with no trespassing on private property, but no alcohol, no littering, no camping, no fires on the beach, no dogs or other animals, no food or cooking on the beach, no motorized or powered assisted vehicles allowed, no bicycles or other vehicles, no temporary shade structures. So while the rest of Florida is so used to having the ability to bring umbrellas or has decided to run a business where they will sell you shaded cabanas, Bel Air, Florida does not. And although it has been two years, residents in Bel Air said that recently deputies have been issuing more warnings and asking more people to disassemble their umbrellas. And this happened to, what's his name? Pedro Pete Rodero. Sounds like Pedro Guerrero of O.J. Simpson fame. But Pedro Rodero said the Florida sun is not something he likes to mess with. And last month on June 12th, Rodero put up his umbrella to enjoy some shade on the beach in Bel Air Shore. Soon after, some friends joined him with their canopies. And just before 4 p.m., two Pinellas County deputies approached him. They came and told us we had to take the umbrellas down. I said, why is that? And he said, there's an ordinance here that you can't have the umbrella up. Then they went ahead and gave me a ticket. The ticket was for $116. And the cited, uh, cited offense was having an umbrella on the beach within city limits. So uh, if you end up going to, not Clearwater Beach is a fantastic beach. Indian Rocks Beach, world famous for probably the whitest sand and some of the best shells that you can get just rolling up there on the beach. But Bel Air Shore is in between them. And don't go there if you want to use an umbrella on the beach. So there is your Florida man story for today. All right. I think that is going to do it for this episode of the show. I appreciate everybody downloading, subscribing, head over to itbusinesspodcast.com and catch other episodes. You may want to go back and listen to an episode that uh, was not done here live but it was an audio podcast that I recorded and posted this past Monday. And it was a, it was a pretty good show. Of course I say that cause I'm the host, but uh, episode 412 document how things get done was posted on Monday and Owen McGab uh described his company sweet process. And you can head over to sweetprocess.com slash uncle Marv and you will get a free download 
to 52 sample standard operating procedure templates, and then you can get introduced to the Sweet Process uh, company, and that company will help you document things like standard operating procedures, uh, things like uh, regular checklists and tasks that are done, and you can use that program to send them out to mobile devices in the field so that you can have those checklists and uh, KB articles and other stuff available to them in the field by the use of a mobile device or tablet. So sweetsprocess.com, just like it sounds, sweet as in cinnamon bun sweet, process.com slash Uncle Marv. And let's see, next week, oh, next week, we actually will be, we're in the middle of summer, so it's about time that I had a summer tech series on, and we're going to have some good friends from Texas on and talk about a life in the day of being a tech in Texas. A lot of rhyming going on tonight, so join us live for that again next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, same time, same channel. I will be back with another episode probably in between there, and I hope to see you back here soon. And until then, holla.